It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll A get through it. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the uh, show. I'm Tom Sumner, and uh, we got a good one in store today. We have uh, a couple of interesting things scheduled coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour. The, uh, cur- uh, the author of a new book called Breakup Boot Camp, um, known uh, to the people who follow her blogs and... and uh, writings for Huffington Post and other places. Uh, Chief Heart Hacker Amy Chan joins me during during the third half of our three-hour tour. And then we're also scheduled uh, in the second hour to talk with um, Santiago Jaramillo, the CEO of Bunny Studio. They've recently done a, um, a study that indicates freelancers say that they earn more from freelancing than they did at a full-time job. We'll talk about that. But as promised uh, in the opening of the show yesterday, um, we're going to talk a little bit uh, this morning about presidential transition and uh, the breach of the Capitol this past week with a regular, frequent contributor to the show, uh, former White House staffer Mark Everson, who joins me by phone. Mark, welcome to the show, and Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year to you, Tom. Uh, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing. I'm doing okay. I'm like a lot of other people, scratching my head over uh, the activities of Wednesday, um, scheduled to be the uh, confirmation of or uh, certification rather of the electoral college vote, making uh, Joe Biden officially president-elect. And uh, the the subsequent uh, demonstrations that uh, turned into brace, basically a uh, riot at the Capitol building. 
Well, um, obviously, it's a, a serious development. Let me step back from this a little bit, though, since I know you do the long-form interview. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm encouraged. Um, I think that uh, if you step back and you look at the last several months, um, even if you look at the whole last year, um, our system has held. Uh, let's start with Michigan. One of the great stories of the last several months is the fact that the president, who had every right, of course, to legally challenge in certain venues, uh, narrow or specific results of the election in different states, he called and he brought to Washington two of the uh, leaders in the state government in Michigan. And uh, that's a tough act when you have a relatively junior officials. They're not cabinet officers, they're not U.S. senators, they're not the governor, but they're, they're important people, don't get me wrong. But when you go to Washington and you go into the White House and the president's uh, asking you to do something, that's a lot of pressure. But your, um, your two citizens, your two citizen leaders from Michigan, they came out of the White House and said, well, the president asked us to do something, but we can't do it in good conscience. <laughs> and... Uh, that's a that's a remarkable moment, Tom, and um, we've seen that again and again. And even if you go to, um, and I know people on both sides of the aisle have different opinions of Mitch McConnell, you go to uh, Mitch McConnell's speech, and if any of your listeners have not watched it, it only runs eight minutes, and it was given before the protesters slash rioters uh, turned up at the Capitol, you know, talking about the integrity of the election and the need to ratify the outcome in favor of uh, Vice President Biden. It's a remarkable speech. Um, and that, I would say to you, Tom, is the most important repudiation of a president that's taken place uh, going all the way back to Watergate. Because even in the Clinton impeachment when Republicans, some Republicans or a dozen Republicans on the House side, did not vote to impeach President Clinton, every Democrat, even Byrd and Feinstein and Joe Lieberman, who had roundly criticized uh, President Clinton, even though there was nothing at stake because it was clear he wasn't going to be convicted, they voted down the party line to acquit. Not a single Democrat crossed sides. So we've been in a lockstep situation where no matter what happened, Clinton perjured himself. He lost his law license on this. Uh, people did not break with their party. McConnell stepping away as he did, um, that was an important moment, a very important moment. And, I, and the other thing, let me throw in something. I'm down in Mississippi, as you know. Let me throw in something good that happened on Wednesday. Uh, the voters in Mississippi had... Uh, selected a new flag in the in the election a couple months ago but it needed to be ratified by both chambers of the legislature and on tuesday it was led, uh, ratified that selection by the house and on wednesday the same day that all this happened in washington uh, our senate down here uh, ratified the new flag that's a big deal that a state like mississippi can move that way so i don't want to i am very disturbed of course by loss of life and this illegality and everything else. But, but I think what we've done right here, which is encouraging to me, is we've split off the cruises and the haulings. I mean, it's appalling that these are 
I was watching uh, uh, oh, last night. Carvel was on one of the stations, and he was saying, these are highly educated people. It's true. I think Hawley's a Rhodes Scholar guy. You know, and Cruz was a person educated. It's just a cynical manipulation of the political process to have uh, challenged these uh, these results. And as, uh, as uh, McConnell said, just to do it for show is not is not appropriate. So what we've done, I think, is people don't follow politics or government as closely as you do or I do. And I think for the first time, there are a lot of people, good people who have supported Trump through all this, who now look and say, wait a minute, that is not what I'm about. That is wrong, what happened up there. And they're taking a, they'll take a second look at this. So I, I and, and, and it, it'll change things going forward. I hope, I hope. So that's sort of my big picture on this, Tom. It's, uh, there are pieces on that you can disagree with, but I, I hope it's a good point for the country out of some very disturbing images and actions. Do you think the, uh, the president crossed a line he hadn't crossed before? Most surely. But, but um, you know, we've, look, you and I have been talking to each other for five years since I uh, was running a long-shot campaign in 2015 to get the Republican nomination. I was the only candidate out of the 18 that were listed in the RNC uh, straw poll to criticize Trump during his election, his announcement speech. And I wrote a statement. It was picked up a couple places at the time saying this language, this demonization of immigrants and others leads directly to this was the instance of, you know, the shooting in South Carolina. Um, this is this is can incite action. And um, I always felt and said the issue wasn't, as Trump said, that he could walk down Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody, and then his voters would still support him, or his supporters would still vote for him. The issue was always, if he said certain things, would other people walk down Fifth Avenue and shoot people on his behalf? And I have to tell you, I think we've been very fortunate that there hasn't been much violence during this four-year period. It's been very uh, limited, given some of the rhetoric. And But yes, given the heated nature of this, uh, what else could you think but that they would go up to the Capitol and be somewhat unruly? Now, uh, the other thing that's true here, there was a catastrophic failure on, on, on the part of the security people, the Capitol Police. And, you know, you could give, oh, you could give uh, Trump the benefit of the doubt if you wanted to say he's just extremely cynical and he knew they'd watch, march up there and then they'd be stopped by the Capitol Police and they'd just be waving and it would be good TV footage. Even if you said that, it's still irresponsible, crosses the line. But uh, the, this failure on the security is um, mind-boggling. And as you know, undoubtedly, the two sergeants of arms and the head of the Capitol Police have already uh, said they're leaving. So it's just terrible. Yeah, and, and there have been a lot of people talking about you know, that this is uh, unprecedented behavior, these people who crashed into the Capitol, and we haven't seen anything like this since, you know, back in the 1800s. But yet there was there was an episode in the 50s where uh, Puerto Ricans lobbying for um, uh, statehood for Pro Puerto Rico got into the Capitol and, and ended up shooting uh, Gerald Ford. 
Yeah. Um, and nobody has no, nobody has Gerald mentioned Ford, was it? it was Gerald Ford. And and the oh, reason that I know that so definitely, Mark, is my dad was working in Washington at the time. I wasn't born yet, but he gave blood for, for Gerald yeah. Ford. Um, he, you know, they put a call out. No, this is right. Look, look, you're you're right. And, and uh, I, I'm not trying to every period in our history is different, but there are certain similarities. Look, Tom, I, I, I finished uh, college in 76 and went to New York and I lived on, uh, I lived in a pretty fancy area. I had a one bedroom, uh, rental and a brownstone on West 11th street between fifth and sixth in New York, right down 50 yards from where I was, there was this empty building lot. That's where the weathermen blew up a brownstone and people died. There were in the Vietnam period, there were attacks on government installations, all kinds of things. Uh, now, the difference is people were fighting over some very real policy points. You can argue that the Trump supporters in the far right are trying to make policy points, but there's no doubt that the president himself had encouraged them and incited them based on a pure effort to increase his power. But I think you're exactly right. There are periods of time when the U.S., um, gets agitated and 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 different things happen and uh, i was giving a speech recently in in uh, not too far from where we are over in fort wayne and uh, people said well when does this come to an end and and uh, sometimes these periods they get extended i i would tell you that the dis disruption of the 60s i believe would have continued uh, but we had some pretty powerful external events we had the iran hostages and the humiliation of that where where people felt, geez, um, this has gone too far, the repudiation of our military. We've been humiliated by people who have taken hostages. And then uh, I think there would have been more agitation. There was uh, discontent going on and everything else. But 9-11 unified the country, another external event. These, these uh, spasms that we have, um, they end one way or another, and uh, they, 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 they usually have some event. They don't just sort of peter out. And I think this event actually hopefully will be helpful. That, and that's assuming, assuming that the security apparatus does a good job on, on the inauguration and that the, no uh, terrible group or terrible small number of people is able to disrupt and, and, and uh, compromise that that very real symbol of our democracy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm concerned about what might happen with regard to the inauguration, and, and also I'm curious about uh, some of the White House resignations and, of course, the fate of uh, this last dozen days or so of uh, right. President Trump's administration. I want to talk about those things, but, Mark, I've got a break coming up here in a moment. Um, can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Yes. Excellent, yes, excellent. I'm talking with uh, Mark Everson, who uh, spent a good deal of his life uh, working in uh, a couple different presidential administrations and uh, worked for the White House and the Justice Department and uh, other places. We're going to talk some more after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be right back.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Wearing a mask helps prevent the spread of COVID-19. Wear your mask correctly. Wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds before putting on your mask. Holding the ear loops or ties Make sure the mask covers your nose and mouth and secure it around your chin. Try to fit it snugly against the sides of your face. Make sure you can breathe easily and keep the mask on the entire time you're in public. To learn more, visit cdc.gov coronavirus. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom Sumner Program.com.
Tom Sumner Program.com This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, I'm talking this hour with uh, former White House staffer Mark Everson, who joins me by phone from Mississippi. Mark, welcome back, and thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through that. Of course. Um, Mark, I mentioned before the break that I I wanted to talk about uh, some of these uh, recent resignations. This has been a news-charged week to be sure. Um, But uh, in the wake of the events at the Capitol on Wednesday, uh, a couple of cabinet members and some White House staffers have announced their resignations with less than two weeks to go (laughs) in this term. Um, Is is it unusual for people to start bugging out a little early, or is this really, in fact, as they say, out of disgust over the president's uh, uh, apparent uh, incitement of, of violence at the Capitol. Well, I think it comes down to the point you started off the uh, show with. Is, is the question is, do you feel as an individual that the president, not the people who are protesting and, and creating criminal acts and rioting or whatever you want to call it, the president himself, did he cross a line? And I think, yes, for some people, they totally understandably concluded yes he did and um so they are choosing this moment to leave i don't think it's cynical uh i don't take the cynical view of this that you know they waited and they're trying to save their resume it's too late to save your resume if that's what you're concerned about now i've always believed that um it was entirely proper tom to serve in the trump administration um, if it, but that if you had a problem with a certain action, then you would have to leave. I mean, uh, but I think it's if the president asks you to serve the nation, you you should if you can in good conscience. Now, if you totally disagree with a series of policies, say in the homeland area, the immigration, you obviously couldn't go in and serve. But that you need to have good people running running the government. So I have no problem uh, with the people who've been there and continue to be there. Folks on both sides of the aisle have encouraged the National Security Advisor to stay, as an example. So I think it's entirely proper. Now, it, I do think it's um, important that, that Chow and DeVos have uh, sent a signal that, no, this, this does cross a line, and we can't continue with this regard. The interesting question here, and you sort of referenced it a little bit, is the 25th Amendment. Did either one of them or any other cabinet member who might step down want to avoid uh, taking a call on that issue that might be in there but i don't think it's i don't think at that level uh those people are trying to save their their reputation and certainly both of them are older i mean i don't know how old devos is but elaine chow's uh she's not going to be going to try and run for governor someplace or something after this, i don't think i mean she's 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 fairly far along so i don't think there's any aspiration for the next career move and DeVos doesn't need the money for some other job as I understand it anyway, <laughs> anyway you know so I, uh, I don't think it's resume burnishing in this instance and and uh, you brought it up and and I'm glad you did because some people uh pundits and and others have been suggesting that they, they were doing exactly what you 
um, brought up is running away from the 25th Amendment conversation. Yeah, um, you know, I'm less confident that that that's the case. Um, And Chow's a different creature in this uh, situation because she's married to McConnell. So she will never be perceived as a totally independent actor. Uh, that's what I would say to you. So uh, it's hard for anybody to judge what Elaine is doing. I know her a little bit from the the Bush administration days. I have no doubt that she's doing what she thinks is right. And that was one of the things that that I wanted to ask you. In in your experience, did did you ever um, ride out an administration that was uh, lame duck and and heading into... uh, a transition with the other party? No, um, I I was not in that situation. And, um, you know, obviously it's different. Look, you know, people, there are all kinds of small behaviors that are bad here. You'll, you'll remember um, when Gore lost, people knocked off the W's off of the um, keyboards in the White House before Bush came in. They vandalized some of the white outgoing White House employees. Vandalized keyboards uh, that was documented, and uh, that's a stupid little <laughs> thing. But it's destruction of property. But people do things they shouldn't do, Tom. Um, and this, but this, what's different here? I would suggest to you is going beyond the um, the challenging and or these actions. It's, it's the fact that the president himself chose to continue to state things that are just outright law wrong and lies and a lot of people believe him because he is the president or they want and they want to believe that point of view but that simple this is uh, well he's tapped into the uh, the already existing mistrust in the government and its institutions that's a hundred percent correct i uh, listen i do not uh blame Donald Trump for the position we're in as a country in the sense that um, a lot of these trends, just what you're getting at, had already existed. In, f- in, fact, in fact, Barack Obama in a speech a year or two ago um, said that, that Trump was not the cause of this uh, apparent divide in the country. He was the result of it. I think that's true, and also he very adroitly exploited it. For oh his yeah, own advancement. oh yeah, absolutely. And, then, and I and I feel like, as you brought up in the last segment, uh, talking about uh, Cruz and others, um, basically being manipulated. Yeah, Cruz. No, Cruz and others manipulating. They're what they're trying to. Cruz and all they're trying to do is they're trying to pick up the pieces after Trump and they are cynically manipulating their their own positions to try and you know pick up that base that he's got but yeah that no what Trump has done is you know he my I've said this for years in the talks I've given uh, look I Tom I was in New York 76 to 82 before I went to Washington the first time to go work uh, work for Reagan and uh, Trump was already a minor figure by, in the early 80s. He was uh, on page six of the Post and everything else. And because what he did, and he still does, is he sticks his finger in the socket and says, look at me. He, he believes 
There is no such thing as bad publicity. Well, I think he finally found that point uh, this week. And uh, and uh, what he did was he built a brand that was a personal brand. And then how did he make his money? He made his money in two areas. He made it in real estate and in entertainment. And in neither of those um, endeavors do you need a big market share to become wildly successful. And he became wildly successful and then through a series of events and a poor candidate on the Democratic side and all sorts of missteps, call me all kinds of crazy things that happened, he got into office. But what he didn't do at that point, he, he continued to do what he's always done, which is go for broke in each and every transaction. And he did not appeal to the center, which is what you've got to try to do if you're going to lead the country once you get in there. You've got to reach out to the other side to a certain degree and pick up the middle. And he never did that. He just continued to do what had worked for him to get him attention and notoriety. But he didn't understand the people around him, the bands and the others who said, keep building the base. They were wrong. You can't run the country that way. Um, do you think he knew what he was doing when, when he... Uh spoke to the protesters on Wednesday and said, head to the Capitol, and, and he made that comment, I wish I could quote it exactly, but I'll paraphrase it, that you don't get anywhere by being weak? Yeah, I think that... Because I've he, seen Facebook uh, memes, you know, showing him with a lit match and out the window behind him, everything's on fire. And and I just I, I just wonder, do you think he knew he was stirring the pot that much or if that was just typical Trump tough talk? I don't think he spends enough time getting into details of any kind and that he goes always on his gut and he doesn't fully... Um, think through the potential consequences of almost anything he does. And um, he's incapable of it, as far as I can see. Now, that has been very attractive to millions of people across the country because they feel that they have been ignored, their interests have been ignored. And by the way, it's not only, I mean, it's not only... Um, white people who are uh, of that view. I mean, I'm down here in Mississippi. I'm going to have lunch today with one of my closest friends. He's a black cop and uh, in a pretty poor city. And he's an ex-Air Force guy. And um, the New York Times doesn't think he exists. But he's a Trump guy. He's a Trump guy. And uh, this is not quite as monolithic as people think it is. So uh, the one thing I would say, I'm very optimistic, and I think Biden is doing a very good job of trying to be centrist and reach out and say the right things here. Um, I just hope that as the Democrats take the reins here, they don't think that they've won and that they're going, they, they now can crush the other side or that the issues that gave rise here, that it's only about extremism on the, on the right. I don't think that'll work. 
Yeah, all of this has has ramped up over the last several uh, months and and the last couple of months since the election um, because of these charges of uh, a bogus election. And I just want to touch on for a moment what your thoughts are about the fidelity of the election process. Well, I... I'm encouraged by this. We had an earlier conversation um, about the pandemic and about the fact that I think one of the good things that's coming out of this is that people at all levels of government, it doesn't matter whether it's a board of county supervisors, the legislature in Michigan, or the governor, or um, you know, school boards, they're taking decisions about what they think is best. And to some degree in our system, they, they've, they've, they've pulled away from the orthodoxy of uh, what's coming out of their leaders in in Washington, if you will, I think this. I feel the same way, Tom, about election integrity. The Constitution clearly provides that the states should run the elections. Now, I do believe that they should work towards uniform standards, which would say, okay, if you're going to have mail-in ballots, they ought to all be in a week before, or what, at some point like this, and then counted so that that night. They it can be released just like the um, like the in-person voting is, but there's no doubt in my mind that the the process itself should be absolutely supervised through the states and then the local elected officials, just as it is. That's the only way you can do this. I I'm very uh, concerned about uh, big government taking over the whole process uh, and and taking over what the states are doing. And I think that the folks who who you know, Tom Cotton. Not everybody likes Tom Cotton, but people talk about the integrity of the process and the overreach that you'd get if you intervened here. I think uh, I think certain people said, "No, no, we're not going to we're not going to overrule the states here." Again, I point your listeners to McConnell's talk, which spoke to this too, because you can't have Washington big. Bro- that gets us to Big Brother, uh, uh, really. I mean, I, I, it's not the same thing. But I'll just give you an example. You know, I ran the IRS for four years. Somebody was saying to me uh, after the first round of stimulus checks came out, a journalist was asking, shouldn't they have that information from the Social Security Administration that, so that they can send out the checks to everybody, even the people who didn't file tax returns? I said, the last thing in the world I want is for this, the Social Security, uh, pardon me, the IRS to have all the Social Security information, all the medical information, everything. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't want that kind of monolith. And uh, I think you'd get there in the election system as well. If you tried to say Washington's going to guarantee the integrity of all the different state outcomes, that's that's not right. There's a constitutional mechanism that kicks in in extreme circumstances. And look, even Bill Barr said, no, we've looked at this. We didn't see any incidents of fraud that would rise to the level of changing an outcome. So uh, we didn't get any remotely close to that in this instance. You know, there's been talk for the last 24 hours, uh, pretty much nonstop. Uh, it's it's evolving in uh, in Congress about impeachment, and uh, and we already touched on the the 25th, and under the 25th Amendment, they could act fairly quickly. Is there any chance that one or the other of those things can happen and effectively remove President Trump before? noon on january 20th i suppose they could happen let me treat each of those i do not favor the use of the 25th amendment in this circumstance 
um, in looking at that um, um, amendment, it talks about the uh, vice president assuming that duty or taking that action if the president is unable to um, exercise his discharges duties. That's the word that's used, is unable. Um, I think that uh, repulsive as what happened on Wednesday is that it's you cannot say that he is unable to exercise those duties. Now, um, were the majority of the cabinet to reach that judgment, I might revise that because they, they, they're seeing the person beyond what happened in this, in this incident. Uh, the, the allegations of instability, all the stuff you read. But, but a lot of people are hand. using this, this incident, the uh, insurgents at the Capitol on Wednesday, as uh, a um, uh, piece of evidence that, that we're facing uh, a clear and present danger. Yeah, but uh, the word is unable. I don't think that's the purpose of the, of, of the amendment. But when you talk about the impeachment, yes, the Congress uh, or the Constitution does provide a mechanism for the Congress to remove the president. That's a different issue. If if the House wishes to move forward with an impeachment proceeding and then to, to seek the president's removal, you, you have to secure the two thirds, the same issue, the conviction in the in the Senate. I doubt very much that would happen. But that, to me, is the more appropriate vehicle to a. To address this this issue, and I understand why um, why so many people feel that that is a sanction that should be taken. I, I when I step back from it, though, I do think Tom that they also need to consider whether they'll make a, something of a martyr of uh, Trump if they take that action. I mean, I think there are other sanctions that are available. Um, uh, the it's complicated under the law, but People are looking, uh, the uh, U.S. attorney in D.C. and others are looking to see whether the, uh, the president's actions to incite the violence, break uh, different statutes. There are lots of things they can look at. But as to the two vehicles, I, I, I just, my instinct, and I'm not an expert on the, on, the, on, the, on the legalities of either, but I just tend to think that the impeachment is the better vehicle to go if for those who seek to remove them. And I don't think I think he's going to run out the clock in all likelihood. And this gets back to this issue we touched on earlier. That's why I think it's so important to uh, to have people um, um, stay in their jobs. And let's go back. One thing we haven't mentioned, the 10 secretaries of defense, 10 former living secretary, living former secretaries of defense have wrote saying the military can't be misused here. I believe that 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 article and the general consensus, I don't think that. Uh, people in good, I don't think people would execute an order that would go beyond uh, um, the uh, norms of what a president should be doing in this instance. I just think it's that serious. But I, I, I'm hopeful based on what the president said last night, that he gets that now, that he's finally been drawn back and he sees some personal risk here. He's ready he to acquiesce. That, well, that, he's never done what he said before. There will be a nor my job. He said my job now is to have a normal transition. He's a little late, a little <laughs> late in coming to this, but but he said it, and I think he's he's I think he's fearful, and he wants to he wants to be in a position to wear out the clock. And what he did was that was an out. 
that was a reaching out to his Republicans who have been repudiating him and saying, hey, stick with me and let me get out of here alive. Now, the other issue we haven't talked about there, some people think he will resign and maybe he, they hope he'll do that. And some people would cynically say he'll do that so that Pence can pardon him. Uh, Pence is, uh, you know, Pence along with McConnell, I think Pence is, has showed a certain uh, fortitude that he hadn't shown up to this point. He, but he, he reached his, he reached his limit too. And he, um, he clearly said, no, I'm, I, this is a ceremonial post over the certification process. So he'd made those decisions before the, before the Congress was invaded and, and, um, and damaged. The, um, and, and I, you know, ask this sort of tongue in cheek, but if Pence ends up president for a week or 10 days, does he get a, a library? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they're, uh, India, people in Indiana are, are, uh, are very innovative and, uh, it might be a minor attraction. Who knows? You might need to put it in Indiana someplace. But uh, they're, they're always trying to gen up uh, tourism and get people from neighboring Michigan to come down and go to the Pence Library. <laughs> That's a great question. Be a mobile home somewhere near Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, it's fascinating to see what's going to happen here. But we're losing sight of something here, Tom. Yeah. Uh, and this is the... the, the uh, this is a direct result of Trump trying to keep attention to himself all this time. A very different government is about to come in, led by Joe Biden, who's going to have his own challenges, by the way, just as the Republicans Certainly. are having. He, people are telling AOC to challenge Schumer and run against him in the Senate uh, for the Senate seat. I mean, we've, we've, we're focused on the right here, and justifiably so, because of these atrocious events. But, but um, the real... The real story here is we're about to have a whole new government and one that is going to be um, not a force, but certainly uh, pressured, if you will, by the Sanders and the AOC and a whole bunch of folks to take some pretty radical uh, positions. We will see how that plays out on that side of the aisle. It's going to be very interesting. It is going to be interesting, and that is something to watch. Normally, we would be speculating about those things had the president made not made such an issue of the legitimacy of the election and, you know, created this, you know, not his his unwillingness to concede. Um, and, and that has uh, slowed things down in terms of, uh, you know, the cabinet appointments and staff assignments and some of those things that we would have been talking about a month ago in another I don't agree with that. I I think that in terms of slowed things down, we may not have been talking about it, but the Biden people are very professional. They've all been in government. They've been their books. They've been making their decisions. They've been moving along pretty pretty darn quickly, I I think. But in another transition, those would have been the headlines. Um, yes, a, yes, a month true. ago. That is true. Yeah, right. You're right. The public scrutiny of it would have been the focus. But what Trump has done is only Trump can do. He's kept the focus <laughs> on himself. Exactly. It's about him. Yeah, no, no, that's right. But I think, again, going to Biden, I mean, look, they've they've filled out their whole cabinet. They've uh, Mark, I, wa- I want to talk some more about this, but I have another break can, coming up. Can you stick around for a few more minutes and, and we'll... Uh, one more, do it one more time. 
All right. Perfect. Sounds good. Uh, my guest is uh, former White House staffer Mark Everson, and we're talking about uh, not only what happened this past week, but what will be happening in the weeks to come. And we'll do that some more after we take a short break and let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you are worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hopper. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. The Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. 
Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Tom Sumner, program.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we uh, continue uh, the hour with former White House staffer Mark Everson. Mark, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Of course. Um, we were talking. You were talking about just before we went to break about the um, uh, caliber uh, of some of the people um, in the Trump team that that are putting together the new staff and and the new cabinet, and of course, uh, uh, just behind the big headlines this week was the uh, change of of. Uh, uh, control of the Senate, but also um, the pick of uh, Merrick Garland for Attorney General. Um, I'm not. I'm not yeah. sure whether to be surprised by that or or to think that that was uh, somehow an obvious choice. Um, I'll get to Garland. I, th- I think that Biden has been very adroit. I mean, he, listen, you're, you know who I am. I ran the tax system. I ran the immigration system. I helped create Homeland Security. I I, I value competence in government, and um, and wh- whoever the president is, he needs to be um, surrounded by people who know what they're doing. It's like you run a business, you got to have people understand the business. So that's the first point. That's what Biden has done. All the people, whatever they're, however far they are in whatever piece of the Democratic sort of spectrum, they all have real policy chops or real experience. The, and I think he's been very sure-footed in what he's done. The only appointment to which I draw an exception is I do not like the Defense Department appointment. Uh, not because the individual is unqualified, he certainly is, but because we seem to be settling into a new norm where a career military person then can go up and serve in the cabinet. And uh, I, I think that's a bad thing for the country because what we need is generals and admirals who give the president um, his, their, their very best advice without regard to any personal consequences. And if, if the lesson here is that there's another level to get to, then... Um, People will change their advice because they'll know that there's another act afterwards. And it's it's better to have a situation where once every generation there's a Marshall or a Colin Powell or somebody who who does something different. I think Colin Powell, by the way, he did not run the Defense Department. He ran, uh, you know, the, he was the chief diplomat, Secretary of State. But Trump, by employing these generals, uh, helped sort of normalize this. Or and, and now Biden Biden will normalize it if his choice goes right. I just think and that's without any disregard to the cal- caliber of the nominee. He's really a very wonderful person. Does that, in, so, does that in some way, Mark, um, undermine civilian control of the military as well? I think that's, I think that's in the mix, uh, but I'm also concerned about the behaviors you'll get 
You know, it'll, right. it'll be more, there'll be a cynicism towards the military. And one of the problems we have in the country is, you know, I, I totally respect the military, but the military's become untouchable uh, because uh, so few people, I, you know, when I ran, I've, I've stated we should bring back the draft so that there's more of a shared burden. But now, because it's off there and people know that they're doing the tough work of securing our freedom or maintaining our freedom, they won't criticize it. And it needs to be held up to the same scrutiny as any institution. And um, just realize, particularly because of, of how important and how powerful it is. But so it's complicated. But yeah, I think the civil, civilian control is in there. But that's the only appointment I would be critical of him on. I mean, my old boss, Mitch Daniels, wrote a column saying that he, uh, and this is the first time Mitch has made any political comment, I would say, since he became president of Purdue. He said even the nominee for OMB, who's generating such um, such heat because she is quite, she's been uh, quite critical of the Trump people, he said she should get her, you know, she should get her nomination approved. And I think that's true. He should, he should by and large, Biden should, these are competent people, and I'd like to see them go through. Now, Garland himself, I too think it's an interesting choice. I think he's a centrist choice. Uh, Biden stayed away from Sally Yates, who um, would have been far more controversial, if you will. But I think he waited to make the nomination until he knew, or make the decision until he knew where the Senate was going to go. And it was clear by, uh, you know, by Wednesday morning that that he had the, uh, you know, he was going to be able to get whoever he wanted to in, in justice. But this is a reassuring choice. Um, whatever you think of Barr, clearly Garland is more centrist, and and there's work to be done to make sure that all everybody sees justice as as an independent uh, player in the sense that it's controlled by the president, of course. But there's always been a deference to the Justice Department, uh, even going back. Uh, you know, last time we had real problems there, Nixon tried to reach in on the Saturday Night Massacre. You and I have talked about that before with yeah. Richardson, but that it didn't work. So, so um, and, and, and look, I'm not as critical of Barr as many people are, but clearly uh, that institution has been, uh, it, needs to, it needs to be restored to its strong quasi-independent role, whether it, 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 where it's clearly holding everybody accountable to follow the law. I, I'm glad you mentioned competence. I was reminded of um, something Sam Donaldson said once, uh, right after the the Oliver Stone JFK movie came out, in in which it was alleged that the government had some some role in uh, uh, the assassination of JFK and and the ultimate cover up. And Sam Donaldson said, "The two problems I have with Oliver Stone's movie, or, or he said, the problem I have with Oliver Stone's movie is it takes two things into consideration that that I just can't." abide and he said one is that the government is inherently evil and that the other is that they're incredibly competent yeah, yeah right <laughs> no i i agree with that and uh, one one very quick story i got a call when when the irs was in flames in 2013 and all that political targeting and the chief investigative reporter you'll know the name of one of the networks told me we have a story we're ready to run it um in the next day or so We've got three people who work for Romney who uh, they were identified in a, in a story of, of something. And then all, they all found themselves um, uh, six weeks later under audit by the IRS. 
And uh, so they were. She, she was trying to say they were that the IRS was going after the Romney people. I said, I said they're not that good. They can't. I mean, there's no way that when six or eight weeks later they they could uh, put together audits. It just doesn't work that way. They couldn't <laughs> do it even if they wanted to. That's not that quick. Anyway, so well, I'm with you on that one. Mark, we've got to wrap it up, but it's always a pleasure talking with you, and uh, and thank you for the very gracious phone call I got uh, a couple of weeks ago. Well, you're a good man. You're playing a, an old-school role in trying to bring both sides to an issue, and I appreciate that, and uh, I hope the country, uh, I, I hope as, a, as the year unfolds, time that we'll both feel that we're, we're moving forward as a nation. So Happy New Year to you as well. All right, and I look forward to our next conversation, Mark. Thank you. All right, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Mark Everson. He uh, is a former White House staffer and a frequent uh, contributor to the Tom Sumner program. And uh, it's great to talk to him this first time of the new year. And, and I'm sure we'll have many, many more conversations. More of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. One thing about this world you can't depend on anything The leaders that we follow, they can't even write their name But here we are in America Ain't it just a shame how it goes on and on Our children going hungry, teens are turning to crime And politicians know it's true, but they ain't got no time out in America, nothing seems to change, it just goes on and on and on. But there may be people who truly do care, they may be mighty, but still they lack the key. I pray that someday these people will finally declare that even heroes can do it all.
pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. 